like to call your attention to a study of uh, Judas this evening. I think there is a lot of things that we can gather from a study of an apostle that denied the Lord. There are many blessings that can come out of it. If we see how that God, that Christ and the divine providence works things together for his glory and for his good. It was a divine will of God that Jesus choose twelve men from among his many disciples. He had a number of disciples. He named these twelve apostles in Luke 6 and verse 13 and this descriptive title was appropriate to their being sent out apostle they were people who were comes from the word apostello and they were sent out to preach they were sent out to cast out demons they were sent out to heal the sick Mark 3 verses 14 through 15 and in 6 Mark 6 7 through 13 the Lord spent an entire night in prayer to God the Father before choosing the twelve the next day that's in Luke 6 verse 12 and 13 talks about his spending all night in prayer the fervency of Jesus prayer reveals the magnitude of this great task that was before him and how that it was it could go different ways it, it, it it hadn't all been, it, it wasn't a thing that was planned or where you couldn't change it. The men he selected would alter the complete landscape of humanity and history by the preaching of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. By the preaching of the kingdom. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, Mark chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, and Luke chapter 6, 14 through 16, they all supply a list. They supply a list of, uh, of Jesus' apostles. Although the synoptic writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, vary somewhat in the order of the apostles names as they were given there's one striking feature in their three accounts it's common to all three the name of Judas Iscariot appears last in all three lists 
Judas is identified in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if we understand this, the traits here that he mentions, the name of Judas Iscariot appearing last, and that he's identified in all four of the Gospels as the traitor and as betrayer among the twelve. And that is given to all, all four places. It's Matthew 10, Mark 3, Luke 6, and John 6. Uh, they, all, they all name him as the one who's betraying Jesus. Now that's after it happens. But Judas Iscariot generally is viewed as, as he was by the gospel writers from the perspective of the historical fact of his betrayal only. And that's all about all we think about him. And, uh, you know, this, this lesson tonight, I just want to emphasize that, that there's insight and give you a little insight to something that the other apostles, uh, you know, they were, they were not mindful in all the ministry of Jesus about his being a suspect of denying God. In fact, to the very contrary, to the very contrary, they were granted no foresight into Judas' uh, his end, even though Jesus mentioned it, they, they didn't think anything about it ever applying to Judas. And to them, Judas was just another apostle, and probably he was, he was real outstanding because he took care of the, of the treasure and was trusted. As Peter stated about Judas in Resper and looking back, he said he was counted among us and received his portion in this apostolic ministry. This is in Acts, the first chapter and verse 17. As an apostle, Judas Iscariot appears to be and to have shared equally in the gifts and the responsibilities that were given to all the twelve. And although they uh, remembered uh, most, he was remembered mostly because of his betrayal and because of his taking his own life, that just seemed to put a black mark on everything that might have happened in his life. Several other things could have been mentioned about Judas. And if we were giving the last remarks at his death, we could probably give a lot of things from the conclusion that we draw looking into his life. Judas was paired with another apostle and was sent out to preach the message of repentance and the nearness of the kingdom of heaven. Mark 6 and verse 7 and verse 12. Matthew 10 and verse 7. It, it says that they went out two by two. 
and tells what they preached. He was one of them. Quite possibly, Judas was a good preacher. He may have spoken forcefully with great persuasive ability and convinced many people. Judas may have preached successfully in the sense that he was effective in planting the seed of faith for many people to turn to God and to his kingdom and to follow him. I think in spite of what he did, that his life glorified God and glorified Christ. Now, one of the lessons we can get is that God can take a person who's going to betray him and going to go to hell. And he can use it to honor and to glorify his son. In spite of other people living around him and in spite of what he'll do at the end. The twelve were given authority over unclean spirits. Mark 6 and verse 7. You think, how can he do a thing like he did if he had the power over unclean spirits? They were granted power to heal, to heal every kind of sickness and disease. Mark 10 and, and verse 1. He was among them. He did it. The great lesson is here, if we work in harmony with God and in the church, and we have a relationship with Jesus, the same thing could happen to us if we don't endure to the end. That's the great lesson. The apostles exercised these gifts by casting out demons and by anointing the sick with oil and healing them, according to Mark 6 and verse 13. They did it, and he was among them. And Peter says, he was a, took part in our ministry. We're going to have somebody else to take his place. No indication is given that Judas somehow was exempt from this ministry. If he was exempt, they'd have had some suspicion, and they'd have doubted, and they'd have said, that's the guy that's going to betray him. But even when he betrayed him, and even when he stopped him, they still didn't get the point that it's going to be him. He must have had a great impact on the others. That they couldn't even hear Jesus when he said, the one that stops in the... He's the one that's going to do it, and he's the one that did it, and they still didn't get the point. He must have been a powerful one among them. In fact, as we'll show later, there is, is every reason to believe that he was a full participant as the other apostles were. The Gospel of John describes the growing popularity of, of Jesus' ministry. And as we look to this, in John the Baptist, in John the Baptist, we have in chapter three and verse twenty-eight or twenty-two through twenty-six, there were multitudes going to Jesus for baptizing. And uh, however, the apostles of, of John, they came and and they made it clear. They said. Uh, when they were asking about Jesus baptizing others, and they said, well, Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. So his disciples were immersing and baptizing his followers. And you can just put it down, no doubt, that Judas was among those people. Here's what the Bible says. They were baptizing. It wasn't Jesus who baptizing. It was his disciples who was baptizing. It's sort of hard for us when we 
When a man ends up in a bad situation, you think, well, he was a scalawag all the way. That wasn't true. And we need to understand that there's going to be some people in the church that's going to be sort of outstanding, and they can even fall and be lost. That's a great lesson here. It would not be unreasonable to assume that these apostles were among, that he was among the ones, the people who were baptizing and doing what they said that he was doing. Once again, Judas would have been included in their number. They were doing this. It is sometimes and somewhat difficult to imagine uh, Judas preaching repentance. Isn't it? But he, he no doubt did. They, they did. They went out preaching repentance, people to change. It's sort of difficult to figure old, old Judas anointing the sick. It's sort of difficult uh, to, uh, thinking about he, he, he was anointing somebody with oil and casting out demons and, and baptizing the people. Yes, he must have fulfilled this apostolic work as well as others. If Judas had been the only one of the twelve who could not and would not perform these works, it would have been so obvious that he was working for the devil. He would have attracted attention and suspicion by every one of them. However, this was not the case. So suspecting, uh, unsuspecting were these people of Judas that uh, when he left the upper room to go betray Jesus and to plan to come back and kiss, and by a kiss betray and tell them who he was. But the eleven didn't even suspicion. They, in John 13, verse 29, said they just assumed that he was going out to buy something for the Passover or that he was going out uh, to help some poor people because he was the one that had the treasure. They were just, it was just oblivion. It was just blanked out as far as Judas being greedy, his habit of taking little money from the teal. They didn't even know him. It's mentioned. We understand that in John 12 and 6 that he indicates that he, that this, but this was written afterwards. This was written afterwards. When the exception of, of Jesus, uh, with the exception of Jesus, uh, he made the statement in 6, chapter 6, 70 and 71st verse, uh, about the intentions that he, the, the mob, would come, and he made it at the supper table, and they didn't get the point. They, it didn't. It didn't dawn on them. But in Gethsemane, when he came, and the other apostles must have—they must have been so shocked. They must have been so shocked to see him come up and with a kiss betray and point him out. He was one of their own. They had labored shoulder to shoulder 
And we say, what does that teach us? It teaches us that we can be in the church, shoulder to shoulder, working with each other, and Satan can get into us and mess us up. Satan got into him, and Jesus told when it happened. They all had been taught of Jesus together. They had all witnessed the Lord's mighty works and mighty miracles and his teaching. And you say, well, what, what do you think could have happened? If somebody had to, to, to betray him. No, they didn't necessarily. That, would, that wasn't the way that had to be done. There could have been another way. But Satan's always lurking. Satan's always trying to deceive us. Certain, Satan is always trying to work against God. Sure, I know the Old Testament talks about him betraying him, 30 pieces of silver, and God knew it was going to happen. But God knows man. But God didn't make it happen. God didn't make him do that. He still was free. But God just knew that would happen. How did the other disciples of Jesus react as they gradually began receiving the news about what Judas had done? How did people feel who had been taught by Judas? How did people feel that had been baptized by Judas? Although few people will uh, fall from such great height to such lowly, degraded state, people of faith today still fall. They can fall. And they can deny the Lord. Leaders sometimes fall after years of faithful service. And it breaks my heart to think about men of years and men of wisdom and men of biblical knowledge will allow the devil to enter into them and give them the attitude that will destroy not only them but people around them. And yet that happens every day. We need to learn the lessons of the past. Even after effective preaching. And preaching to people, individuals have abandoned the faith, have stumbled in sin. And these tragedies must deeply disturb and affect many people. We know that they do. And we know that they have their effect on people. And if we today won't get the lesson, it should not, though, cause a person's faith that has been blessed by that person when he was faithful to be disturbed. Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As Peter said, Christ one day is like a thousand years, a thousand years one day, and in Hebrews the 13th chapter and verse 8, he says, 
He says Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. And if a person has really taught Christ, and I'm just wondering if Judas didn't do a good teaching, good time, and he didn't teach people about himself, if he did good teaching, he taught them about Christ. And that's where the blessing comes in of his life. He taught them that the power came from Jesus and that they were doing this because Jesus had the power. But when the devil entered his life, he betrayed the very one that gave him the power to bless people. What is it possible to be misled or deceived by men? The truth is that the word of the living God abides forever. And what a tragedy it was that he didn't understand this. To Judas, to Judas's credit, he apparently did not make disciples of his own. His ministry seems to have directed men and women to Christ. Thank God. Now the beauty of that is, is God knows how to take men and work in them and through them and not even reveal what's going to happen. And Jesus knew full well he's going to deceive him. But he didn't so discard and turn his disciples against Judas because he knew he was going to betray him. He knew that wouldn't help anybody. And he knew it all the time. But the beauty is he can cause a man to glorify him as long as he's faithful and as long as he trusts him. The record of Scripture reveals that when Judas fell, he fell alone. Tragically, this is not always the case. When men fall, they take somebody with them. But he still has demonstrated a lesson. He didn't have to fall. God could have worked it out. And there's plenty of ways that Satan could have delivered the Pharisees and the scribes to get Jesus. And it had just been another mark of God working, taking men and overcoming the devil. Let us continue to fix our eyes on Christ. Romans, I mean, uh, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who hath essayed such gainsaying of sinners against himself. You have not resisted unto blood striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation that dealeth with you as with son. Son, regard not lightly the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him, because whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receiveth. It is for chastening that ye endure. God dealeth with you as with sons. Or if you've been without chastening, or if we have all been made partakers, he says you're illegitimate and you're not such. Lift up the hands that hang down and the positive knees and make straight paths for your feet that that which is lame be not turned out of the way but rather be healed. 
final act of peace and the sanctification without which no man can see the Lord. That was written a long time. And probably just before the destruction of Jerusalem. After he had denied the Lord and this had happened. He also says to these brethren in, in Hebrews, he says, Let no root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby the many be defiled. Follow after peace and the sanctification wherewith we may please the Lord. And that's what we need, and that's what we can get if we just follow Christ. I trust that we take these meditations and these thoughts into our mind and think about the possibility of falling. Now, I know there's a passage in John, the 10th chapter, in verse 29, verses following, 27. He said, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And he says, I hear their voice. But you know, it's conditioned upon my sheep listening and hearing. It's conditioned upon them following. And he says, no man can snatch them out of my hand. And that's conditioned. But Peter reminds us and says, the old devil as a roaring lion goes about seeking whom may devour. Who resists ye steadfast in the faith? And the apostle Paul said when he addressed the elders, he said, I commend you unto God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. We need to just continue in the teachings. We need to understand that the false doctrine that is being taught, that you can't fall from grace, has never been taught by the scriptures and taught by men. We need to continue to hold the hand of the man of Galilee and understand that he's willing to stand by us. If you're here this evening and you need to come to the Lord or you need to dedicate yourself to him, come as we stand together and sing.